This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371. Having uh, Max and Jose on mm-hmm. again, quality representation of Notre Dame, cross student athletes of the ACC, pretty yep. strong. Um, been spending some time talking to a lot of our Packer and Durham affiliates throughout the uh, footprint about the Final Four and Duke and Carolina meeting on Saturday night. Uh, more on that coming up in the uh, in the nine o'clock hour. Jake Geloff's going to be here. What's he do? Uh, leads the nation in home runs, going yard. Huh? He is going yard. Yeah. I'd say Virginia's been hitting the baseball, yeah. man. They have been out of sight. Jake's coming up 9.30. 9.45 off to Central New York. Dino Babers. Spring game is tomorrow night right here on ACC Network. And we're looking for Jeff Walls in Minneapolis. Uh, reportedly, was it baggage claim picking up his son at the Minneapolis airport and uh, giving some scribes some rides back into the Twin Cities? Love all serval. He's hey, like us. Got a full tank of gas. Good attitude. <laughs> Time to road trip. That's it, right? That's how oh. I've always thought. Yeah. Full tank of gas. Let's go. All right. So his challenge tomorrow night is a big one. Is the number one overall seed. Don so. Staley, South Carolina, loaded, super good. National player of the year. I mean, defensive a, player of the year. Aaliyah Boston. They've eliminated North Carolina. They've eliminated Miami. So yeah. they're kind of on an ACC roll a little bit. Hopefully, Louisville can stop that tomorrow night for our purposes. Uh, should be a great game. Yeah. I mean, listen, you got three one seeds and a two seed showing up in Minneapolis. The yeah. two seed, of course, defeated the one seed NC State. You could have had four ones. Right. As far as the committee is concerned. You know, hey, did we get it right? Well, if you get four ones in there, you did. Yeah. Right. But um, it's, again, star power on the ladies' side, star power on the men's side. These final fours are loaded. Yeah. But this is a big challenge for Louisville, needless no, to say. No question. Louisville, South Carolina tomorrow night, 7 o'clock on ESPN. Of course, we've got – uh, nothing but net coverage tonight from both Minneapolis and New Orleans right here on ACC Network at 9 o'clock. Uh, the full roster of ACC basketball, both men and women involved in our productions from both cities. And Chester's favorite, Haley Van Lith. Look at me, he perks there he up. Goes. As soon as I say your name, he perks up. <laughs> Haley Van Lith has been tremendous yep. in this tournament. She mm-hmm. has taken it to another level from an offensive standpoint. And I'm not surprised Louisville is in the Final Four. I mean, right, they've been in that neighborhood and top five all season long. Jeff Walls goes back for the fourth time. Uh, he's done a brilliant job. Uh, so I'm not surprised that they're there. Now, can they cut down the nets? That's the key. If if Haley Van Lith can get 20 or more. Which against, he has done consistently. Yeah, four straight in the tournament. If she can get 20 or more in a fifth straight game, here's the list. It'd be Haley Van Lith. Arike Agumbawale in 2019, and Diana Taurasi in 2003. That's the list. That, that is high cost. That's the list. That's that's big-time list right there. All right, let's let's uh, let's go to the Twin Cities, shall we? And uh, check in with apparently a courier and Uber driver from the Minneapolis airport. Uh, there's a word that you were helping not only your son, but helping members of the media get back to uh, downtown Minneapolis from the uh, from the airport is that the is this reported correctly guys i'm a giver you know <laughs> i like to give i like to you know try try to help uh, others out and uh, we had a few of our local me- media that happened to be on the same flight as my son from from chicago and I figure it never hurts to give the media a ride because then you might get a few nice things said about you. 
I know this much. Uh, you're two wins away from nobody ever saying a bad word about you ever again for the rest of your life. I know it's one game at a time, and it's a big one with South Carolina. But, you know, I, I get a sense that you knew that this team was certainly capable of being a Final Four team, but you're not surprised that you're in Minneapolis, are you? No, I'm not surprised. Uh, you know, at, at the beginning of the year, we were trying to get some pieces to fit uh, to, to, to together. Uh, you know, we had two impressive tra- transfers in Chelsea Hall and Emily Inksler mm-hmm. that we were molding into our team. And it and it took a little bit of time. They were great kids. Now, our team really likes each other. And that, that was part of why we're here. But just getting them to get a good feel for what everybody could do took us a little bit of time but really started to play the to play well the last two months of the of, of, of the season at both ends of the floor and that's why we're us uh, we're still playing if i were to ask you i mean here's Haley, talented player you knew it when she signed you had an expectation level obviously about her ability and, and what she could do Four straight 20-plus games, biggest tournament the game plays, right? Uh, you leave her alone? Do you even say anything? You just kind of let this thing ride? I mean, there's nothing to say. I mean, the kid's a, a competitor. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's it, she's not doing anything that we haven't seen her do in practice. You know, I keep saying everybody talked about it at the beginning of the year. She wasn't playing well. No, the ball just wasn't going in the basket. She was rebounding. She was defending. She was busting her tail it just it wasn't going in but she was making shots in practice I I say it all the time I don't get concerned about players unless they're not making shots in practice either if they're not making shots in practice and it's carrying over to the games and we got issues Mm -hmm. but that was not the case and she played well our entire ACC season Mm -hmm. and she thrives for moments like this she loves the pressure she loves the big game um and that's why I, I went so hard recruiting the kid. She's a joy to coach. Uh, she's got a fire and a passion that not everybody has. But, you know, I say it all the time. You know, you can't be the hero if you're not willing to be the GOAT. And I'm not talking about the greatest of all time. I'm talking about right. just everybody's like, man, you choked. You missed it. You missed the shot. But the problem is there are so many players that don't want to take that shot. And that's not her. She wants to shoot it. She wants the ball in tight times. And that's what I think separates her from so many is she thrives on that. And she's just been a joy to coach. Uh, I've really, the only thing I've had to work with her on is to just get out of the gym, son. Put a smile on your face. Give your body a break. Uh, And she's starting to do that. I think she's starting to realize that quantity over quality is not your answer. So she's really been putting in quality time in the gym now and being able to give her body a break. And it's really, I think, paying off. Coach, uh, Wes and I, every, at the end of each month, do a thing called Notepad in which we give out awards, accolades for the conference. It's not just a basketball thing. It's for all sports. Mm-hmm. And for the defensive player of the month, I went with Emily Engsler. And I know we're sitting here talking about offense, 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 and yet you got to score – but you also have to defend, and you got to stop somebody. Uh, I think Emily's had a phenomenal run, not only in this tournament, but really all season long. And given what she's been through, and I'm watching the emotion of your press conference the other day, uh, it was very telling, and I thought it was very striking what she said. How about the job she has done for your program since joining? She's been outstanding. I, I personally, there, there's not another player 
in women's basketball that disrupts a game at the defensive end of the floor as much as she does. Now, she not your she might not be your defensive player of the year, but if you actually take and look at what she does, because she might not have the most steals, she might not have the most blocks, but if you start including deflections, where teams start their offense on what side of the floor, people stay away from her. Mm-hmm. They they don't want the ball coming down the same side of the floor that she's on. For disrupting an opponent's offense, there's nobody better in women's basketball this year, hands down. And it, it, she's just a joy to be out there. I, you know, we laugh all the time. You know, we had the chance to play t- t- uh, a Tennessee in the Sweet 16, and Sam Williams was on our staff here for seven, eight years, and she's on Tennessee staff now. And we joked going, she's probably looking over our one-two-two press trying to figure out how we've changed the rotations because it's never the same. And it's because Emily's at the top of it because I don't know what she's going to do half the time. So the kid's got such a feel for the game. She reads the next pass. And then there's times where she makes it look like, you know, it's a YMC, a middle school game where like my kids, my eight-year-old plays where everybody runs and grabs the ball and she just runs and grabs and takes it. Yeah. And I'm, it's it's amazing to uh, to me, and it's what she does. And we're going to need that this weekend. We're going to need it on Friday night because uh, not only does she disrupt every, everything on defense, but the kid rebounds the ball as well as anybody that that that, that, that I've had here in 15 years. All right, um, we know Dawn's team is really good, right? I mean, they're they're number one for a reason. They're the number one overall seed for a reason, Jeff. <laughs> Uh, Aaliyah Boston's terrific. Destiny Henderson, uh, I guess, is the young lady who's really kind of caught fire for him <laughs> a little bit in the tournament, right? Um, yep. What What do you measure the game by? How do you process this game? Because you can't just throw the entire, you know, book at them. You got to you got to go about this. I'm guessing in, in kind of a sectional way tomorrow night. Yeah, we're going to have to uh, mix things up. We're going to have to break, you know, break down our defensive attack and do it in multiple ways. But it, it, it's the end of the day, we're going to have to score the basketball. You know, uh, guys, I, I go back to our Baylor game in 2013, yeah. and everybody talked about the defense we played and we did on Brittany Griner. But I keep telling people, they scored, I think, 81 points. They averaged 81 points on the season. Mm-hmm. The difference is we scored 82, which was the most points any team ever scored in the Brittany Griner era. Nobody had ever scored 82 points in the four years that they had played Baylor. We scored the basketball. That's why we won. We're going to have to score the ball on Friday night. It's what it's going to to, to come down to. And obviously, we're going to have to guard, which we do a pretty good job of that. But we can't go into three or four-minute lulls at the offensive end and not get a bucket. And that's been a little bit of our, pro- our, our problem at times throughout this entire tournament. So we're going to have to cut those down and make sure we execute and score. And, you know, if we can get in the 70s, I like my chance. But it's, that's not going to be easy because not a lot of teams do that against South Carolina. Coach, I'm always curious when we get into a situation like this. Um, have you called Katie Meyer? Have you called Courtney Banghart and just said, hey, listen, what would you see? Or is that out of sight, out of mind, you got your own scouting report? I, I'm just out of – from a curiosity standpoint, you make those phone calls or not? 
Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, you know, we've got a great network of coaches here in the ACC that I, I think we're all supportive of each other. Uh, you know, so I, yes, I'm friends with, with Katie and Courtney picked up the phone and we text and talked and, you know, it's more so just throwing ideas. Hey, here's what we're, here's what I'm seeing. Here's, here's what my staff seeing are way off base. And they're, they're, they're great. I mean, that's, you know, our league wants our league to, uh, to, to, to do well. I mean, you know, I sat there before our game against Michigan and was watching Wes and his, his squad play until, until they cut, they, they cut it off. And then I had to, I had to go around the scores table and get to Nick, uh, Evans computer, my SID and try and try to watch the end of it. <laughs> Because I mean, we we were cheering j- j- just as hard as any N- NC State fan was for for them to win. All right, uh, I'm going to ask you a question. I have asked this week to what analysts, coaches, administrators, ads, committee chair. We talked about the equality of the event. There's been a lot said about the event in the last three weeks, Jeff. I mean, Tara Vanderveer and Don Staley went there on the financial end, right? I know the president of the NCAA spent time yesterday with Lynn Holtzman talking about the event. In your mind, what difference have you seen in the event this year, and what do you expect in the future? What do you think the next step is in bringing this event to its best possible position on the national sporting scene? Well, my players have had a great experience. Uh, they've done a great job up here in the hotel. Well, you know, every place we've stayed up in, in, in Wichita as well. As silly as it might be, but the branding has been so much better. Uh, just the excitement around town. Uh, you see the signage that's up. You just see the, uh, I mean, the excitement that's going on about the game. But overall, I've never been one to say it's been bad, mm-hmm. to be honest. Now, the, fi- the, the the financial end of things where you could get a unit for, you know, as you advance through, I think would be great for the universities uh, to be able to reap that re- reward as well. They have a wonderful little player lounge for our kids here at the, the hotel, which they've never done before for women's basketball. I, I don't know if that's been done on the men's side, but – it is really, really nice. So that's a huge upgrade compared to the other three Final Fours that, that we've been in. Uh, and, you know, one day would I love to see our game be, be able to go to neutral sites? Of course I would. Mm-hmm. You know, but I'm sitting here watching the first four in, you know, those first four in games where they were played at the site where those teams were going to advance to. And there was maybe 1,500 people at those games. And I'm not sure we want to take that first four in game and put it at a neutral site. I, I don't know how many we'll get. And that's what scares me. I mean, we sat there in Wichita and South Dakota played Michigan in that first game. And it was about a four hour drive for South Dakota fans. And I mean, that place was rocking. It was as loud as any game we played in our, in the Yum center at home. So, would I love to be able to play the first two rounds on neutral sites? Yes, I sure would. But at the same time, I know players would rather play in front of seven to 10,000 than 1,500. So I think if we can continue to grow the game and find some cities 
where they support women's basketball, even if their team's not playing. Because, hmm. guys, I think that's the big ticket is, you know, will the city of Louisville come out and support four women's basketball teams if one of them is not Louisville? Hmm. I think we will. But that's what we have to get to because you and I, you guys both know that when a regional for a men's is announced, people are buying tickets for those before they even know who's playing in it. Hopefully we can get to that point because personally I'd rather play on somebody's home court uh, in the first two rounds than play in an empty arena. Okay. But, but coach, I'll, you know, great. But you sat there and you watched NC state play at number two, UConn. That really should never happen in the women's I, game. Guys, Not I, hey, I did it in 2019, but no, but nobody seems to care. Nobody's well, brought brought it up one point in time. But, we played in Albany as the one seed. We played in Albany as the one seed. UConn was the two, and nobody has said a word about it. Yeah, but I would so say this. I understand. I've been there, guys. I've been there. I've done it, and we lost a heartbreaker. I, I would but say we this. We have though. to find other cities. Well, right. let, let me finish. Other yeah. cities have to bid, guys. Yeah. If we don't get other cities to bid. Then it is what it is. Now we're changing next year, but think about this: we're going super regionals. We're having two. One's going to Green to up to, to Greensboro, I, I I believe. Yeah. So what's going to be said when South Carolina is the one at Greensboro? I don't think because they're going to be they're going to be the one in Greensboro. So what? So what? So what do we do then? Yeah. Well, we, they, let me just play backwards with you a second. You know what? I think the women's game, and you you can correct me because you got a front row seat. Absolutely. I don't, but I think the women's game today versus where it was even as twenty nineteen is light years better. Would you not agree? I mean, the quality of the games have been so good, and I'm not saying it wasn't in nineteen, but it's better today than it was in nineteen. And I think it's one of the reasons there was more people talking about how's NC State as a one playing at number two UConn. In that region, I think more people are paying attention today to women's basketball than they were three years ago, five years ago, ten years ago. They, they, they might be paying attention, but the 18 Final Four was the best Final Four that we've ever had. Mm. We had three overtime games. Right. You know, so the – I mean, so the, it's not like we've gotten all this much better. Now, do I – listen, would I like to see it changed? Yes. There's no question. But I think the problem we have is I think our – our committee and ESPN, when they announced the pairings, have done a poor job of educating what's taken place. Hmm. Because if you look at the first two reveals, UConn was not in Bridgeport. Right. The third, the final one, they are. But see, what people seem to forget is we were either going to be the fourth one or the first two. It, it all depended on what Baylor did in their game. There's no question about that. Well, what happened about two weeks before that is Michigan was up there probably as the second two. Well, they lose like three of their last six games. They lost in the first round of the Big Ten tur tournament to N N Nebraska. So they drop down. Indiana, their, their post kid hurts her leg about a month left in the season. She misses two weeks. So they lose – three or four games. So now they drop down further. 
And then UConn, obviously, they're playing in the Big East, so they, they keep winning games. Well, they, they, they move their way up. And, you know, I've, I've heard people say, well, Louisville should have been sent to Bridgeport. Well, why? <laughs> like, because West did not want to go. And I love West, but why should I be sent there? It's until they sit there and say, we're not going to do geography at all. Right. Okay. We're not, we're not doing it. We're not playing well, the financials. Fine, but now you, well, I know. And guys, I played in, and, and I know the game's advanced, but in 09, we played Maryland in the elite eight game in Raleigh. Okay. And there wasn't 1500 to 2000 people at the game. It right. was, it was embarrassing. Yeah, we we don't want to get back to that. At least I don't. Right. Yeah. No, so you... I, it's and I feel believe me, I feel terrible for Wes because I know we're blessed to to be where we are, and but it's hard. It's hard to get here. I I know UConn makes it look easy. Fourteen straight. I mean, <laughs> I tell people all the time when they say it's easier to win in women's basketball because I was told that once. It's easier to get to the final four in women's basketball. Hey guys, it's not the final four, it's the final three. You UConn's held a spot in it for 14 straight years. <laughs> I mean, that's better than John Wooden's done. Yeah. Sure. Like, it's ridiculous. So I personally wish they would have taken the sweet 16 years ago when Debbie Antonelli said to go to Vegas. I think she was dead on. Take the whole thing to Vegas. Everybody's going to show up to Vegas. You two would come to Vegas, correct? <laughs> yeah. In fact, we'd get a head start to make sure. Yeah, we'd get there to make sure you're picked up at the airport to make it. sure. Yeah. Everything Thank you. Media, along yeah. with the media. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. But that's oh. what we need. If they would have done that, I mean, it would have been the, the excitement. Pe- people show up because if your team gets beat, there's things to do. There's entertainment. But unfortunately, we didn't do it. Now, we're trying to do the Super Regionals where there's two sites and we'll see how that works out. But I mean, it, it's bad. I'm, I mean, it, it is, I'm not yeah. going to lie, but I wish they would have done a better job explaining yeah. what took place. I tell you why they got moved there. You know what? You have uh, always been good to us with your insight on stuff, not only on the floor, but off the floor. And I appreciate your candor on this question because it's a, uh, it's something that because of the stage that the women's game now has commanded, I think we need to talk about. So we wish you all the best tomorrow I, I night. Agree. Yep. Wish Thank you all the you best. Guys. What uh, Jeff Walls just had to say was really important. There's a guy front row seat trying to better the game and uh, making some very valid points. I think he realizes too, even though he referred 2019 where they had to play uh, UConn and Albany, I think he also realizes the stage has never been bigger for women's basketball, especially at the NCAA level, the showcasing, the viewers, all the things. But you have to take advantage when you're – how many times you've talked when about this? When you're hot, you got to go. Right? So the NCAA, and again, this comes back to leadership. And Lynn Holtzman is somebody who had a press offer yesterday in Minneapolis with Mark Emmert, the president of the NCAA. And quite frankly, they need to look at this event. You want to maximize the exposure, maximize the financials, look at where the future of this event goes. We've heard this week from analysts, former coaches, administrators, current coaches. It's pretty simple, right, Pac? Well, I don't know if it's simple, but it it seems like the time is right to strike and say, listen, how do we take it to the next level? Now you try it. You roll the dice and see. Now, Jeff brought up some points in terms of, hey, 
you know, you, you got to walk before you run, mm-hmm. per se. And again, you get the smart people in the room. I mean, the truly smart people in the room. Right. They can make this happen. But I think the women's game right now is in a better spot than it's ever been before. Yeah. No disrespect to the 2019 reference or anywhere else in between. Yep. People who watched that NC State-UConn game the other night went, wow, these ladies can really play. Yes, they can. Yep. And you'll see that in Minneapolis with Louisville, South Carolina, Stanford, and UConn. That'll be a tremendous Final Four. The Packer and Durham Podcast. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. Hey, don't forget we got baseball for you on ACC Network Saturday night, 6 o'clock, our Saturday night game of the week. NC State visits Clemson. 6 o'clock first pitch right here on ACC Network. Streaming live on the ESPN app. Baseball. You know how much I love it. Yeah. Let's get right to it. Because the Hoos are hot. Uh, They are hitting the baseball. Let's go to Charlottesville. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Jake Geloff to the program. This is debut, right? Yes. Jake, welcome. Good to have you. How are you? Hey, thank you for having me. Okay. Let me me quickly run the stat line here real quick, okay? 442, hitting 442 pack. 13 home runs, 47 RBIs. 13 homers tied for most in the country. Virginia's 23-2. Number four nationally. So how's it going, Jake? <laughs> it's going good. It's going great. You know, nothing really too much to complain about. You know, the team's rolling right now. We're, you know, we've got a great chemistry going on. Uh, you guys as a team are hitting the baseball. It must look like a beach ball coming in. I mean, everybody is smashing this thing. Has it reached the point of it's just contagious now? Or what's going on in Charlottesville? Oh, yeah, hitting's contagious, definitely. I mean, like, it seems like everyone goes up in the box and, you know, ex- you expect something special to happen. Uh, you know, we got a great group of the, those freshman guys coming in, you know, swinging the bat hot. And then, you know, our veteran guys also, you know, uh, you know, paving the way for them. All right, so, Jake, when you talk about the team, here's the thing that comes to mind. This is not just a, a team at Virginia. It's a great program. I mean, Brian's done such a sensational job here uh, and building, and you know that. That's the reason you're playing there. So where's the momentum built for you guys? Did it happen before the first game of the season? Has it happened as those early games? Because, see, this is the thing I always find fascinating with college baseball. Certain things happen early in the year when everybody's paying attention to other stuff, and, oh, by the way, baseball started, right? Is that where it happened for you guys? I mean, I think, you know, we definitely got, you know, a great core coming back from that, that Omaha run. And, you know, we were in the trenches together, you know, starting off the ACC play. I think it was like 4-12. and 12. So, you know, coming back from that and then still having those leaders and knowing what it takes to, you know, be a great team. You know, everything that goes into it, playing solid defense, good pitching, and then, you know, hitting comes as well. Um, so, you know, it all goes into that. And then, you know, Oak's, Oak's a great leader. Mm-hmm. You know, that's definitely you know a reason I came here you know a lot of people come here he knows how to pull together a ball club and win games I want to know how much money it's going to cost you to repair that facility out there in left center because every time (laughs) I see a highlight you're hitting some bomb that's ricocheting off the roof out there man eventually they're going to say hey Geloff guess what dude that's going to cost you a thousand dollars you just keep tearing that thing up out there I know that's hopefully I keep doing it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I love it. Uh, you know, the other thing, too, the other days you guys are playing Wake Forest and you're pounding them. Man, you got a no-hitter going here to the bottom of the ninth inning. Oh, how, dare the, how dare those folks at Wake Forest ruin that no-no with two outs in the ninth? Oh, that was brutal. And I know uh, the, the guy in the mound, 
I don't know, a little fun fact. The last time we threw a, no, a one-hitter was when he was on the mound, and uh, he blew it too. So it was just a... <laughs> Just fun, you know. Paul's a great guy. You know, he he embraces it. You know what I mean? He he, he loves it. You know, obviously, wish it, it didn't happen, but uh, you know, it's it, it is what it is. And you know, we we pitched a great game. You know, one hitter still still pretty good. You give him grief afterwards, like, hey, oh. I mean, what is it gonna take to finally throw another? Did you, I can only imagine because oh, baseball, you of guys course. are needlers, man. Baseball guys are the worst in terms of just getting <laughs> under somebody's skin. Yeah, d definitely for sure. Yeah. All I right. Bet. So now here you are, 23-2. and two. You're tied for the nation's lead in home runs. Tommy White got off to this unbelievable start. I mean, it was like Roy Hobbs in the natural, to be honest with you. Um, so do you pay attention to that, Jake? I mean, is it just you're in your own game and Tommy's in his game at NC State? I mean, do you think about that when all this is happening early in the year? Yeah, I mean, like you see it on social media, it's definitely cool to follow. You know, you're, you're part of the sport, so you want to know what's going on and, you know, be up to date. But, uh, I mean, not too much. You know, try to stay within ourselves and more within our team and, you know, make sure we're succeeding, you know, winning games, which we have been. So as long as we just keep doing that. But it's also pretty cool. I don't know if you guys know, we went to the same high school as well. Yeah. Uh, by the so. way, I mentioned this to Coach when he was on with us a couple of weeks ago. Now that the big donkey's out of the bullpen, uh, who's the ringleader on this team in oh terms of gosh. keeping things loose? Oh, oh yeah. It's, I don't think you can you can replace that guy. You know, <laughs> he, he's something special. Uh, you know, great guy. Um, I mean, we got a lot of characters. Kyle Teal for sure. I mean, you know, he's always playing with energy. You know, great player as well. Um, but, so I, I guess that would be my replacement. But I mean. It's shock, you know, you, you can't really place that guy. By the way, what's up with Teal going Grand Slam three times already? I mean, you guys are putting up stupid numbers. I mean, it's like, because I love following baseball. I'm a lunatic with all this stuff. And I keep looking at the numbers you guys are putting up offensively. I'm like, Teal hit another Grand Slam? I'm like, what is, is anybody reading the scouting report? You can't throw to these guys. I mean, maybe I'll just walk all of you the way you guys are going. Yeah, I know. He's, I think he's like right now like four for four with bases loaded with three home runs and a triple. So I don't, I don't know what it is when he gets in that situation, but, you know, he does damage. So it's, it's always fun to watch him play and, you know, behind the dish this year. And then, you know, in the plays, he's, he's been swinging well all year. All right, Jake, here's the other thing too. Kyle Teal's been there, what, a decade? Has he been on the team 10 years? <laughs> is that about right? No, no. Eight. <laughs> Eight years? Come on. I mean, seriously. How long has Kyle Teal been in Charlottesville? Feels like he's been there forever. I, I mean, that's what it feels like because you're, you're always, you know, looking at him, you know, expecting him to do something, you know, whether it's baseball related or funny, you know, in practice or in the locker room. But, you know, he's definitely a character to talk about. And, you know, he's my roommate. So always hanging out with him, having a fun time. Hey, All right. what's, what's up with the batting helmet, man? We're going to get one that fits? Because every time I see you running around, that helmet's flying off. I mean, you know, I know you got the flow going on. You know, if you had hair like me, you'd be like, that thing would be snug and always stuck. But, <laughs> I mean, that thing's flying off your head all the time, man. We'll get you a bigger helmet. I know. We, we get, I get grief, and I'm sure Kyle does too, and, you know, some of our other players, it falls off too. We, I get grief at first. You know, when I get the second get to other teams, like, what's the deal with your guys' helmets? <laughs> so it's, it's almost it's almost became a thing now where, you know, people look at it and, you know, it, it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you got it, flaunt it. You know, it's it's unbelievable to look down this roster. I joke about Teal. It just, I mean, he was such a fixture of what they did, and he's just a sophomore, obviously, in terms of class and things like that. But, I mean, 
God, Devin Ortiz, he's been there 100 years. I mean, you know, this is an old baseball team if you look close, isn't it, Jake? Yeah, I mean, like you, like I said earlier, we got a great group of, you know, veteran guys coming in. Like like you said, Devin uh, Ortiz, you know, Alex Tappen has really stepped up this year, so yeah. it's been fun to watch him play and, you know, kind of a breakout year and, you know, see him watch, you know, watch him play with, you know, a lot of fun just going out there. And I think that's what our team really does is, you know, we, we go out there, we try to have fun. That's what I do, uh, you know, before every game, me and Devin Ortiz, you know, we kind of go up to each other and we're just like, you know, I'm, I'm going to have more fun than you today. And that's kind of like our only goal is just go out there, have fun, and, you know, the results will take care of themselves. Well, that's a great attitude. In fact, everybody should have that going to work. Um, how, important, <laughs> how important, though, was the run to Omaha last year in terms of setting the stage for what you guys have done so far this year? Yeah, I think we carried that momentum. You know, this new group of guys, you know, all they know is winning. And I think the, they know that because our team last year went through the trenches. We had, you know, a ton of, you know, bad games. And, you know, getting back from that creates a, a great culture. And like I said earlier with, with O'Connor, you know, he knows how to pull, pull his guys together and, uh, you know, win ball games. So I think carrying that momentum, having those veteran guys show the younger guys, uh, you know, just how to, how to win ball games, you know, in this league is, is definitely very important. Well, you guys have been a blast to watch. All right, last question since you're making your debut. This is our traditional question every student athlete. <laughs> since you've been at the University of Virginia, Jake, what has been your hardest class? My hardest? Uh, I'd have to go with, it's like race, gender, and medical something. Race, gender, medical, and something. And something tells me that <laughs> it's like wasn't race, the actual... gender, medical. I, I forget the full name of it, but it's, it's been pretty tough. It's so, <laughs> it was so hard, you don't even know the name of the class. That's how hard it was. <laughs> yeah, trying to, put it, trying to put it behind me. There you go. Hey, Jake, oh. keep it up, man. Looking forward to watching you the rest of the way. Tell Oak, tell Oak we said hello, man. Yeah, we, we got to get you guys uh, to do a show at the Dish sometime, sometime this year. Hey, look, we're all about the road, man. We're all in. about the road. I, we, man, I'd love Trust to be there. Trust me. We'd love to be there. Definitely. Take care. All right, be well. All right, thank you, guys. You, you bet. Got it. Jake Geloff, live from Charlottesville, tied for the nation's leading home runs. Race, we... gender, medical, and something. something. Yeah, that's it. Packer and Durham. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Hey, kids, it's all, it's not all hoops this weekend. Tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, right here on ACC Network, the Syracuse spring game inside the Dome. Drew Carter and Barrett Brooks will be there. And then Sunday afternoon, 4 o'clock. How about this if you're a Louisville fan? You get the spring game with Satterfield. And then about, oh, 8 o'clock or so, the Women's National Championship game. Keep your fingers crossed. Jeff Walls' team will be there. But spring football is here. Busy weekend with two games this weekend, then a whole bucket of them next weekend, Pack, right here on ACC Network and streaming live on the ESPN app. Walk-up music. Yeah. For one guy and one guy only on yeah. this show. There you go. We head to Central New York. Dino Babers. There he is. Ain't no mountain higher right there. Look at him. Front and center. You can tell you, he's got it. He, the vibe's going, isn't it? You yeah. can hear that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Look at him. He's looking at you, Pac. You're in trouble. I'm in trouble. <laughs> Dino's just waiting. He knows it's coming. He's just waiting. Uh -huh. Coach, how are we doing? 
I'm doing well. You know, you guys even got the right version of that song. I'm fired up. I mean, that was uh, that was nice. Yeah. You want us just to shut up? We'll just keep playing the song. That might be the best interview you've ever had with us. You know, you know, you know what? I'm ready for some West, and I'm ready for some Mark this morning. I'm All in right. a good mood. Got up, got my exercise out of the way. Mm-hmm. Pro day here at Syracuse. Uh, spring game tomorrow. You know, let's rock and roll. I like it. Oh, uh, by the way, speaking of pro days, uh, it's got to be the easiest day of your life, isn't it? Pro day. It's actually extremely busy. I've got a bunch of stuff going on. And then, of course, we've got the spring game tomorrow. So there's things we're doing uh, today that get that out of the way tomorrow. But uh, it's one of those days where you get to uh, thank the, uh, the seniors. And in this case, with COVID, the super seniors. And uh, we've got a lot to be thankful for for those guys, what they came back and, and did for our family. And then it's, uh, it's a situation where your juniors and your sophomores and your freshmen and and your redshirt freshmen get to sit back in and watch their brothers perform and hoping that someday they can get the same opportunity to uh, perform in front of those uh, professional scouts and GMs to see if they once, if they can be one of the 1% or 2% that mm-hmm. makes it to the National Football League. I want to ask you about this spring session because, and you know, we talked to Scott Satterfield the other day, this feels like we're normal again, Dino. Does it feel normal? Are we finally back to normal in terms of just the, the the modus operandi of playing college football and getting through a spring and and doing the things that we were doing before the pandemic? Wes, I'm glad you mentioned that because yes, we are. I mean, it's been ad, abnormal in the state of New York. It started with us and it probably finished with us. We were probably the last one to take the handcuffs off. But uh, this has been a normal spring, normal meetings, normal things going on. And uh, we're excited to get back to, to uh, you know, old-fashioned football before COVID. By the way, speaking of Scott Satterfield, uh, we mentioned the fact he opens up there in the Dome. He's like, you know, <laughs> I, I've, I don't know if I've ever been there. And so he said he's already concerned about Dino and the air conditioner. That's what he was talking about the other day on the show. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's uh, – you guys know how I feel. I, I, would, I would love for him to have an opportunity to have to taste the original, mm-hmm. you know, Dome, the original. Yeah. But he's going he's gonna to get the, uh, the new version with the air conditioning. But, you know, they're a good football team, and they, they've had a lot of success against us in the, uh, in the past. And hopefully uh, we're going to have an opportunity to get them at our place and see if we can change it a little bit. It's going to be a heck of a game. It'll be the first time we've ever opened the season with the ACC. So, it will definitely get everybody's attention in August that uh, there's no warm-up games. This thing is going to count, and it's going to matter. All right, I can look at some of the, the numbers that come out in the offseason, and I know rosters in this world of college football can be a little fluid, a little transitive at times. But Bill Conley does a really good job of creating kind of analytics and as it relates to returning production. Uh, you got 88%, according to their measurement, of your offense back. 88 of your 88% of your offensive production, 62% of your defensive production. When I give you those numbers, what's your reaction to what you've seen in the spring and that comparison? First thing I think about is if the defense has only got 62% of their production back, uh, they're doing really, really well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, but between the uh, between the back end with Garrett and and the DBs. And uh, those that linebacking core with Mikhail and Stefan and and Marlo, along with the guys behind them and the young defensive line, they've really uh, been giving us some fits. Now, when it comes to the offensive side, uh, 
you know, Sean Tucker is, is still here, and uh, Garrett, is st Garrett Schrader is still here. And, uh, you know, Rhino gets to come back, and we've got some cats. We've got we've to solidify the offensive line, mm -hmm. and we think we have a good, you know, a good top seven guys. We just got to get them all on the football field and keep them on the football field. The last time we were able to play with the same five offensive linemen, you know, we were two minutes and 45 seconds from winning the conference. So we want to keep that offensive line on the football field. If we can do that, that'll be uh, our advantage. And hopefully it'll, it'll happen this year because it hasn't happened the last two to three years. Dino, what was the major priority for the spring going into it? But based on knowing what you thought, and now that we've had practices, spring game coming up tomorrow, has that changed as you've gone through the practices? You know, we've got a lot of new guys. We've got a lot of a lot of young guys, and uh, we just really want to take the underbelly, and we want them to grow up. You know, mm -hmm. I remember when I was younger, I had an older brother, and all I wanted to do was sit in the house and be a mama's boy and eat food and never go outside. And my dad was off in the service doing the things he was doing in the Navy, and uh, my brother. I'm not going to say he beat me constantly, but <laughs> I always felt like there was a giant in in dent in the middle of my chest at how many times he punched me right between my chest to make me go outside and play. But uh, I wouldn't be who I was, to, I am today without that big brother that kept pushing me. Mm -hmm. And I would say even being slightly physical with me. Mm -hmm. But uh, that's what we need to do this spring. We need to be physical. We need to make sure the underbelly is ready to go in game one. And um, so far, the coaches haven't been able to slow me down. You yeah. know, we're just, it's going downhill, and we're in pads, and we're doing things, and that's it. And don't talk to me until practice is over because we're not going to change. All right, Tony White's been there a couple of years. I know you feel good about the defensive side of the ball. We talk about it just 62% of the production, but you got the right 62 back. I mean, that's, that's easy to look at. There'll be a mm -hmm. lot of interest uh, tomorrow night in Robert and I and Jason Beck and Michael Johnson and Mike Schmidt, who's come in to help you in the offensive line, to look at that side. What have you seen there that gives you encouragement? You've already mentioned Schrader and Tucker. You talk about the offensive line. I know you're going to throw the ball. You may have a, the best weapon running it in the ACC in 34, but I know you're going to put it in the air. Yeah, we, we've got to work on our throwing game. There's no doubt about it. Those are the things that we've been working on. Uh, it's not going to be completely done yet. You know, we're, we've got the spring game tomorrow, but we've got four practices after the spring game. We mm -hmm. wanted to play the spring game early because we wanted to make sure that we had everybody healthy enough with how physical the spring practice is going to be. But uh, you, we will get to see some things, but there's no doubt that with it being on the ACC network, everybody's <laughs> going to be breaking everybody down. You know how coaches are. And we know what's going on in, in Russia, you know, so I know they know what's going on in Syracuse, New York. But, uh, you know, when spring ball's over, we'll have uh, four days to do some things that people don't get to see. We'll close those practices up, and those will be the things that lead us in the start of the season next year. We're still light. We still got some guys coming off of injuries that haven't gone through spring. That's part of that offensive line from last year. But they, they look extremely healthy, and knowing our trainers, they'll be full speed, ready to go as soon as our 15th practice happens. On the 16th day, they'll be out there cutting and moving around like they could have been out there two weeks. I'm just playing. I, I love our trainers. I love our trainers. I really do. They know it's a joke. 
But, uh, you know, we'll be ready to go. I think this team, uh, once we get it to May and June and July and we start our summer, it's going to be really big, not only the push with the offensive line, getting all those guys in there working together over the summer, but also uh, sharpening the throwing game so when we come out, uh, out of the shoot in early September that not only can we run the ball, we can throw the ball effectively as well. Uh -huh. One thing I, I want to I make a note before I stop, though, is another one of those new coaches you didn't mention was uh, Bob Ligashevsky with, yeah. with our special teams. And, you guys, it's been, oh, my goodness, it's been light. It's, it's night and day. And to have, I want to say this, because I think this happened, Narduzzi, you know, you know how me and Narduzzi get along. We're good friends. But this is a little bit of a Mark Whipple thing with Pat Narduzzi. To have, this is the first time I've had coaches uh, older than me, you know, on wow, my staff. Okay. And, and to have guys where you can sit down and have a conversation, and it's like you're, you're talking to your wife or something. Like, you, you start talking, he start, and you're like, well, why are we talking about this? We feel hey, exactly the same hey, way about this. Hey, like, let's move about on this? to something Guess else. What? Guess what? Guess what? We got to go to New Orleans. You're the man. <laughs> I will see you soon. Dino Babers helps us close the show. Great to see you, my man. Orange spring right, game tomorrow night. We'll see you tomorrow morning, 8 a.m. from New Orleans at the Final Four. Tune into Packer and Durham weekday mornings from 7 to 10 Eastern for the best conversations about everything from the ACC. Find it on the ACC Network, Sirius XM Channel 371, and streaming on the ESPN app.